destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Destroy All Children, the podcast. I guess that's the title for it. For January 2nd, 2020. We're here, we made it into a new year. I'm Larry Davis. Uh, this new venture is not legally actionable as far as I am aware. And with me is George Brendel. I just want to say before we start, don't eat the Whoppers. The Impossible Whopper, if you do, it will turn you into a woman immediately. There's too much estrogen inside of the Whopper, uh, and that's a fact. Uh, my name is George Brendel. These are my thoughts and opinions, and also the thoughts and opinions of the show also. Thank you. It's not. It's not the opinions of the show. Is this an actual thing? This is an actual thing. There are a lot of people out there who are freaking out about the Impossible Whopper having uh, 44 milligrams of estrogen in it. They obviously don't understand there's a difference between phytoestrogen and estrogen estrogen. I don't. Uh, there's a Basically, the only thing they have in common is the word estrogen. A plant estrogen that is digested is not the same as regular estrogen. Well, cool. Uh, so it's not going it to turn you into a woman. <laughs> um, Aww. Yeah, I know. It's a bummer for a lot of people, actually. Uh, yeah. But, uh, no, I, I have seen some very alarmed tweets of people freaking out about how the Whoppers are going to turn you into a woman. Boy, I wish. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I just want to say real quick, it reminds me of that bit for Maury with the girl who's afraid of pickles, but I just like the idea of like some red hat guy falling on the ground and sobbing while somebody chases him around with a pattern full of Whoppers. Great. I can't imagine being this terrified. is a great start to the first episode of our new yeah, format. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ruin it immediately. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, Destroy All Children uh, now, because we had to throw out that old name. News! What have we got this week in news? Not much. Here's the main headline. Universal pulls cats from Oscar consideration. Hmm. Can I, I want to mention how this actually bothers me from the point of like film preservation, because I think that if it releases in theaters, even if you fucked up royally, that should be preserved. What are you talking about? If So they are pulling it and they are putting an updated version with improved special effects, namely oh, yes. that the, the, the face tracking is all fucked. But yeah. I want I want to see it with the fucked face tracking that's not filmed in like like on someone's cell phone. Yes, this is that's not what I'm talking about though. Mm. That, that was a previous thing. This is they're like we are not putting this up for any sort of Oscars or uh, songs or anything like that. We don't want anybody to know this exists. Please ignore cats. Okay, because the the thing that I had read. Uh obviously at this point predates this, is that uh, Oscars were going to consider it if they resubmitted it with improved uh, special effects. So they were cool with them 
No, this like just happened a couple days ago. Uh, okay, then I missed that. That's basically it for news, I guess. I don't know. Uh, well, still, I want that version of Cats with the really fucked up face tracking to be preserved to some degree. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to watch any of it. I but do. I agree. I want to, like, I want. I don't want to watch it because I think I'm going to enjoy it. I want to watch it because I actually, like, I want to experience what's so fucked up about it firsthand because the only stuff I've actually seen is the trailer and, like, some handheld footage people have taken uh, from seeing it in the theater. And that's the best way to watch any movie. <laughs> that's how I watched the first Iron Man. That's how I watched Clerks 2. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think you really need to watch Clerks 2 a second time, so you're probably good with the way that you... Look, I might want to see Rosario Dawson in a higher quality. Oh, okay. That's sure. probably the only reason. Uh, what have you been There's up to? Someone on, I'm sure someone on YouTube has just uploaded one of those things that are just like, all of Rosario Dawson scenes and Clerks too. Probably. A lot of those. Uh, well, uh, I've not actually been up to a whole hell of a lot uh, since we recorded our Game of the Year stuff, uh, The Golden Gizmos, which That's is... That's a uh, lie. You've been you won't shut up about how you want to talk about one specific thing. I really want to talk about Star Wars. Uh the no. last uh, no, the rise of Sky Well, no, that's like the only other thing. The besides that I've been playing Majora's Mask, but I thought there. that we would save that to the end. But if you want to get into it, we can get into it. Okay, we'll save that for later then for George's retro corner. I didn't know if you wanted to keep it for no, that or have it as yeah, part of the general love we've been playing and watching. Hey, I watched um, The Toys That Made Us, a couple mm. episodes of that. I watched the He-Man one, uh, because I had heard that that was the one to see. And they were not wrong, because everybody involved with that franchise was a deranged maniac. I Sounds highly recommend right. it. They were just bullshitting their way through life. Like everyone involved in that was a Cosmo Kramer type archetype <laughs> where they were just like, here we've got, like, they were like the John Lovitz character where you're just like, yeah, see, we've got He-Man here and, uh, and, uh, it's gonna have a comic book. Yeah, that's the ticket. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, what, what else? Uh, well, an animated TV special. That's it. Yes. Sure, He-Man, it's a multimedia event. Yeah. We're going to put the novel out, and then we're going to have a game on the Nintendo 64, and then we're going to start pressing Pogs. Love Pogs. I was thinking, I've and had also, Shadows of the Empire on my mind a lot, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't love Dash Rendar? So, the thing is that I watched that one, and I watched the G.I. Joe one. Mm. And the series so far has done, there's like common elements in it. One Everybody always argues about who actually created the toys. Nobody agrees on it, because everybody wants to take credit. Yeah. Second, there's a lot of like mythologizing about dudes in suits, where it's just like, oh, we, we have to thank these gods among men who allowed us to spend our parents' money on these hunks of plastic that were so formative for our childhood. And it's it's really... It's really bad. However, I... here's the yes. thing. Also, your speakers are a bit loud, it turns out. 
Um, the G.I. Joe one was interesting because I had no idea the giant role that the comics played in that. Like, were you aware yeah. of that? Uh, in how they influenced the action figure line? No. Like, yeah. I was aware that the comics were still... They were about as big of a thing as the actual show. The the figures originally were just the G.I. Joes. And they were like, okay, so... But not, but not like Cobra Command. It was just no. the Joes. Yes. Okay. And that's kind of the main thing. For one thing, uh, when they did TV commercials back then, they were only allowed to have like seven seconds of animation or special effects or something and the rest of it had to just be kids playing with toys Mm. and so they were like okay but there are no regulations on marketing a comic and so they were like all right we're gonna go to marvel we're going to pitch them a gi joe comic and we'll tell them for the first time ever we're going to be advertising a comic on tv and Archie Goodwin was like, hell yes. Uh, or G- Jim Shooter, maybe. One of the two. Uh, and their Jim Shooter is in the show, too, which was neat. I had no idea what he looked like. Mm. So, yes, it was just going to be G.I. Joe's. And then uh, they got Larry Hama, obviously, the great Larry Hama, who I only like more after watching this. And he came up with a thing of, like, G.I. Joe is the name of the unit, not the characters. And then also, he was like, well, they need to have an enemy to fight. And then that was when they asked Archie Goodwin, who was just like, yeah, call it uh, Cobra. I don't know. And so that's why Cobra exists. He's just looking around his office for something to hone in on. Desk lamp, legal pad, live Cobra in the corner. Basically. Um, but yeah th- that whole thing was really cool especially the utter contempt that Larry Hama had for the cartoon there's one part where he says that he viewed it as morally bankrupt because nobody died in it <laughs> I was like, uh, but they taught that, you about the great. dangers of smoking and stranger danger right that's right um, the more you know knowing is half yeah. the battle yeah, G.I. Joe was kind of before my time. Uh, the yeah, the first too. action figures that I really like was into was that Ninja Turtle line. Uh-huh. Uh, and boy, speaking of spending your parents' money and just making them hate everything about the shit you like as a kid. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I remember my mom, uh, her... I don't remember much about this house because I was very, very young. I just remember that my mom's room had like some kind of like window it was almost like a foyer thing on the second floor so it was kind of like a window that kind of looked out over the living room and i woke her up one morning because i wanted her to read me the back of one of the ninja turtles boxes and she told me to shut up grab the box (laughs) and throw it out of that window (laughs) that's great this is uh one of my earliest memories that that actually reminds me, like the stuff on the back, like the biographies of all the G.I. Joes and stuff, that was because um, they were going to have the G.I. Joe figures out, and then Empire Strikes Back came out, and so they delayed it for a year to get out of its way. Uh, and in that time, Larry Hama had been making like these dossiers for every character for the comic, and so those are just what ended up on the back of the package. Huh. 
I like back of the package uh, bios. Which, yeah, um, I like a good power ranking. Yeah, I still purchase. Uh, I I collect a lot of figures. I think I've mentioned that on a previous podcast. No. Um, <laughs> Something they don't do for the adult figure market is have bios, and this is actually, like, a thing that bothers me. Yeah, I mean, I want to know, uh, Wolverine, is it strength 7? Or 8? Who knows? Look, it's especially weird on the Power Rangers figures I'm buying, because I think those are not, like, specifically for adults. Like, they're kind of aiming it a bit at Mm. an older crowd. But those are just the like a 3D render of the toy in the box on the back and nothing else. That's lame. Yeah, yeah, it's really lame. Uh, at least like the Dragon Ball stuff I'm buying like shows them in poses and stuff. And it's like, ah, recreate all the poses you love from the comics and the show. Yeah, it's like, it's hey, just, check like, it out. Here's Hercule with his bugged out eyes. Yeah. Here's uh, King Piccolo looking at that rice jar and he's not having it. Mm-hmm. Here's an egg. egg. It came out of his body. Yeah. I really do love that that figure has a disgusting piccolo egg with it. Yeah, the first action figures I remember having were also the cartoon Ninja Turtles. And that's kind of weird yeah. because that was that cartoon was kind of before our time for both of us, but I guess it just kind of yeah. lived on forever. Well, it it ran forever. It was yeah. still running um uh, while I, mean, I was like young enough to be forming memories of watching it, uh, but yeah, it premiered like at a point when I was like two years old or something like that. So it was there's... before I was born. Yeah, I got a, I got a few years on you. Yeah. Um. But um. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 I remember was uh, like the Archie Archie's... comic series when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, they also reran Ninja Turtles for so long too that I've. I've definitely seen my fair share of it, like in that era. But yeah, it before I was able to. Yeah, well, uh, Ninja Turtles are eternal. I I would consider myself fortunate enough to be like very aware of when uh, The Simpsons was first ending up on TV as its own show and not a Tracy Ullman thing. Again, before my time. Yeah. My brain was retaining that at that moment in time. That's weird. Uh, so I remember seeing Simpsons commercials on the TV. So that was neat. Cool. Shit. Get to see weird Fucking rubbery shame Homer. about that show now. Homer who sounded like a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to get around to watching that show. I've I've seen it get brought up a lot, and it's just one of many things that has ended up on a to-watch list. Like it's not great, the production of it. Uh, like I said, it, there there's a lot of men, children, sort of being obnoxious, and the the narrator specifically is that whole thing. Like the editing has zero chill. It's better than the movies that made us, where every time it mentions anything, it has to show a clip from the movie doing that thing. Like it says, like. Uh, Fox executives called up John Hughes and that has to show a person from Home Alone picking up a phone. And that stuff <laughs> sucks. Uh, I thought least... it was going to be one of those things where it was like, hey, remember when Han Solo got frozen in carbonite and it shows like that clip? Not that it was 
we need to tie a thing from the movie into something that happened in real life. Yes, that's what the movie one does. It, although, Fuck. like, like the movie Remember one... when John Hughes got frozen in carbonite. <laughs> the movie one is good though because it has uh, some really good stories. Uh, they got Dan Aykroyd to sit down and talk Ooh. about Ghostbusters as if as if that's hard to do. Uh, shockingly, Bill Murray was not there. Please tell me that this took place inside of his office and that there was a skull full of vodka there. It did look like it was sort of like they went to Dan Aykroyd. He didn't come to them. Uh, I did not see a skull vodka, though. But he did hawk his book about his family's paranormal investigations and stuff. Uh, It's all about family. That thing's also great because you get to see, like, there's Dan Aykroyd there, you know, looking like modern Dan Aykroyd does, which whatever, he's in the 70s now or something. But then yeah. you get to see Ernie Hudson juxtaposed with clips from the movie, and he looks basically exactly the same as he did 40 years ago. I was going to say, you know, when you kind of consider the rest of that cast, Dan Aykroyd has aged better than Bill Murray and uh, Harold Ramis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely better than Harold Ramis. <laughs> I wonder what he's up to right now. Um, yeah, that, that that's a show that I need to I need to get around to watching. But the uh, yeah movies that made us, I don't I don't know if I'm quite as interested. The, in the that. Die Hard one, you should watch the Die Hard one because that's hey, one another... that's a similar one of people just making things up as they went, literally. And John McTiernan is there, and nobody asks him, like, what was it like in prison or anything. They just completely <laughs> ignore that, which I guess I can understand why. But also, you look at this guy, and it's like, yeah, I bet he would wiretap someone's phone because he thought they were screwing yeah. them over on Rollerball. Isn't that a thing, too, though, about that, uh, like, Die Hard 2 and 3 didn't start out as Die Hard movies? They were, like, unrelated scripts, and then they were just like, well, uh, we make a John McClane and slap Die Hard on the cover. I think Die Hard 2 was, but 3 was not. 3 was supposed to be Simon Says. Yeah, 3 was, yeah, definitely not a Die Hard movie to begin with. 2 is where I'm a little bit more, like, up in the air. There was some weird circular thing. Uh... I don't know. Four was based on like a Wired article or something. Yeah, uh, that's right. I could. Yeah, man. Kevin Smith was in that movie. Justin Long. That was, was his. In that. that was his in to uh, Bruce Willis, and then he made Cop Out and regretted it ever since. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't like Kevin Smith, but I can like hear him talk shit on Bruce Willis for basically the rest of my life. Well, that's we one wish... of my favorite stories of never meeting your heroes is just everything about Kevin Smith working with Bruce Willis. We wish Kevin Smith the best as we do all comic nerds wearing hockey jerseys. Now, <laughs> uh, have you watched anything else? I watched some Star Trek, but nobody cares about that. Uh, I watched a little show called The Mandalorian. Mando! Now on Disney+, Plus, which I found out was offering a free trial after I uh, subscribed with my actual money. So that is very cool, considering I only wanted to watch The Mandalorian. You already used the trial, though. I saw some advertisement for, like, another free trial thing after Uh, after I signed up. I'm wondering if it's just advertising that original free trial or if it was actually some sort of, like, promotion that they are running. I didn't really look into it. I think it's just you always get 
a week free or whatever it is. Yeah. They can't no, even bother I, uh, to give I, you a free month. Cheapskates. I signed up for that again and uh, finished up The Mandalorian as well as The Last Jedi, uh, which I'm not going to talk about The Last Jedi because we'll be here all, all day and all night. But uh, All right, Last Jedi, here we go. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, you see Adam Driver shirtless in that. And, Ooh. Uh, basically the best Star Wars. I mean, it subverts expectations, so it has to be the best. Yes. yes. I was not expecting him to be built like a Stretch Armstrong. So. <laughs> uh, man. Adam Driver shirtless um... looks like an eight year old drew him. I have a friend who actually has a framed photo of Adam Driver shirtless that is signed by him, and she has it sitting next to her bed on the nightstand. Sure, why not? If I could get him to sign that, I would do that. Yeah, no, I was like, I, it, yes. I am jealous, shirt- actually, of the fact that she has that. Adam Driver shirtless is like if you took a picture of Brock Lesnar and then just ran it through about eight different Photoshop filters. It's like I have a smudge uh, here, a blur here, I don't know, uh, shrink the width about 20%. I'm going to take, take Ray to Suplex City. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've watched all of The Mandalorian. Uh, I like it a whole hell of a lot. Um, it, it is, uh, it's very distinctly un-Star Wars to me. Like, there's very little about it that feels like Star Wars, despite pulling, like, a lot of good cuts from star wars lore um it feels like lone wolf and cub basically yep uh which i am way into so i'm i've enjoyed the mandalorian uh, a lot for that reason me too uh episodes what were they four and five five and six which were they the one with ming na where she just like gets killed off by the way spoilers for mandalorian from here Uh, oh yeah Although, like, there's kind of, you can kind of see everything coming. There's no, like, major revelations here. It's uh, also, like, entirely available right now, so you could pause this and go watch it and then get our opinions on it. And I think anybody who really wants to see it has already seen it. Yeah, so, probably anyone who wants to hear about it at this point, but... Yes. Uh, but yeah, the, that episode where Ming-Na just gets killed off unceremoniously, uh, and then off-brand Bobby Cannavale survives and nothing happens from that what was that about yeah there's a the, that pair of feet that shows up and uh surveys her corpse was that supposed to be moff i think it's i think it's supposed to be gideon yeah th- that, that's my would, best guess why would he be there just like checking out this random lady I, I don't know and then i don't know how that actually would feed back into the main plot because it never comes up again it's just a if the, if they're reworking the stuff that happened in that into like later plot points it has not paid off in the first yeah and then there's the prison break one which is also real bad uh, i see i actually liked that one like it's not i think if i had to like sit down and rank all the episodes it would probably still be like second to last but like i didn't hate it. Yeah, I would have liked it better if they had better actors. Like uh, actually, Bill oh, Burr, sure. I didn't mind in it. It was that lady who was the Twilight that was really, really yes. bad, like doing some sort of weird Harley Quinn type thing. Yeah, and that was 
uh, and the, also her brother that they go rescue was really bad too. Both yeah. Twi'leks. Also, how do you pronounce that species name? By the way, I say Twi'lek. I've heard Twi'lek. Twi'lek. But okay. uh, that, so I think that's like the first. They they probably showed up a bunch in like Clone Wars and stuff like that, which I've not seen much of, and I honestly kind of don't care to. Uh, but that's like the first time I've really like seen them lean into that species and have them like be actual characters. And yeah, I was kind of disappointed <laughs> that the performances were the way they were because it did not make me like either of those characters. So yeah. um, kind of felt wasted. They uh. But yeah, I, I did like Bill Burr in it um, Clancy Brown, the great Clancy Brown It was oh, nice yeah. he was in there But he also kind of didn't do a whole lot Also, he gets smushed indoors And then somehow is alive at the end Which was weird Yeah uh, Richard Ayoade also wasted As the voice of a droid uh, Oh yeah I really like that droid design too uh, Yeah, yeah, he's alright he, he just kind of craps around on the ship For a while and then that's it. Sure. He's way into video encoding. He's trying to uh repair some of the codecs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's to have that like, oh no, there's a risk of the child getting found out on there, but like I mean, come on. That, Nothing that's was really also fun because that. yeah, also nobody knows what it is, so it doesn't really matter. They yes. kind of just look at it, it and they're like, what is it? Like a pet or something? They needed a B-plot there, so they had something to kind of keep cutting back to. Otherwise, it's just everything happening in that ship, and the editing would have been really funky on it. But that B-plot is just... Uh, the the alien... The robot's fucking around, and he sees, like, the hologram, and then he gets shot. Yeah. The, um, that was pretty much... The, the bit, like, the prison breakout does have some really good bits. Uh, specifically yeah. the part where the lights are cutting in and out, and Mando is just teleporting around <laughs> like like Michael Myers. I also liked him fucking those droids up real good. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, uh, I did. I did like the bit too, where the uh, the big guy just tosses one of them and it explodes. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, also, yeah, I do it, really uh, like the end where Detective Flash from uh, Batman Begins <laughs> just gets exploded by Tie Fighters piloted by the show's directors. <laughs> that was good. That was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of that show kind of seems like a, a series of side quests. I, I'd say it's at, at like about an even split between stuff that feels almost uh, sort of just like like a side questy thing uh, and like the actual mm, through plot. And there's really. there's still stuff like him him meeting the uh, the rebel jumper whose name I'm completely Cara Dune. Also, Cara Dune. Gina Carano. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Big fan of Gina Carano for a long time since Haywire, actually, the uh, Soderbergh movie. Uh, wish she had done more in Fav. Which Fast and Furious? Six? Six. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I really like her. Wish she had been cast as Wonder Woman. That's who I wanted, not Gal Gadot, who I do not think is very good and also too small. Uh, but yes, like other than the two ones I didn't like, actually, it's all kind of one plot. Like he, there, there is the Seven Samurai ripoff one where he meets her, but that yeah. directly feeds back into the end, and she's the main character. 
I mean, it, uh, I mean more specifically, like the Empire going around and and trying to fuck with Mando is mostly confined within like the first two and the last two episodes. Like, there's still I'm meeting a character who's going to become a part of this at the end, but like, I mean, the first three are all like goes to find Babby Yoder, finds Babby sure. Yoder, then he goes, yeah. he has to get the ship fixed, fights Mudhorn. Then he goes back, brings Babby Yoder back, but then goes and brings him back, kills a whole mess of stormtroopers. That's first three episodes. Mm. Uh, four was the Seven Samurai one, and then five and six were the bad ones, and then seven and eight are back to the main plot. So, I would really say only two of them are actual digressions. Uh, but yeah, I just finished up the actual last episode uh, a few minutes before we did this. So that is still very fresh in my mind. It's a very good episode. I fucking hate the dark saber a lot, and is part of why I kept putting up off uh, watching it because I really kind of don't like anything that they've established in Clone Wars or. Or rebels. My understanding is that, yeah, yeah we're rebels. Uh, I do not like dark saber. You should know, like, that wasn't invented for Clone Wars and Rebels. It's been around for a long time. Uh, um, but. Yeah, it's like, of course, it's from EU novels, so most of that's all really dumb and stupid anyway. Yeah. But, yes, I don't like the Darksaber. However, seeing Giancarlo Esposito with it made me happy, and I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, Now that I've actually seen it and seen it play out and everything, yeah, it's not bothering me as much i guess i was just really worried that they were going to start folding in a lot more uh clone wars and and rebels continuity stuff into this and i again i really don't care for either of those things uh so the prospect of them working a lot of that in just kind of i don't know it sucks a bit of my enthusiasm away i guess but as i was being silly about it sat down finally watched that episode it was really good it is he uh mando he hooks on to the tie fighter and Flies yeah. around and blows it up. Real good, real good ending. And I think, like, actually, if I had any complaint about that, it's uh, how quickly he just gets back down to the ground. Everyone's like, well, that takes care of that. No need to check on the body. Let's all <laughs> yeah. go home. Uh, the weirdest thing. Some blue raspberry alcohol. The weirdest thing to me is how they have that whole flashback about uh, what, Jin? Jin Jarvis? Yeah. Something. I'm just going to call him Mando. Me too. Because uh, I don't. I actually really don't like them revealing his name and showing his face. I don't mind them showing his face, but it was a weirdly anticlimactic way to do it. It was just like, here it is. It's yeah. Pedro Pascal. We got to have yeah. his face contractually obligated. We have to show him at one point in the season. Actually- I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but they did their their cast photo at the end of the season, and I like that uh, he appears in costume and does not have his mask off. That's good. Yes. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a real dread uh, thing for me where I think that you should absolutely never see his face yes, at all. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't like that they should But what I was saying was it's weird they have this whole flashback to his origin when you kind of already got that. Like twice. So like, yeah, why why are they showing it again? We know his parents dropped him off. It it doesn't take a genius to figure out that the Mandalorians took him in. Although I guess it it's kind of related to uh Mama Mando or whatever her name is. 
being like, this yeah. is actually our main thing is we find kids and abduct them. So yeah, because that, that's something that I've known from the lore prior to watching this, but I think that's something that they actually don't explain uh, in the show until that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe, maybe they do, and I'm just like forgetting exactly where they do that. But I think that that is the first time. I think so. She melted she that also, stormtrooper. Yeah, that was real good. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, she also mentions that uh, Baby Yoder is uh, a foundling, and that just immediately got me thinking of, like, are they going to fucking put Mandalorian armor on a Yoda? That would be great. That would be really stupid, but also I want to see it. Also, like, here's the thing that's kind of bugging me a little bit about that, is they've established that Baby Yoder is already 50 years old, and he's still very much an infant. Mm -hmm. uh, Pablo Pascual seems of an age that by the time baby yoder is saying a couple of words he's going to be very old and almost ted <laughs> it's i'm very it's concerned about what happens to the baby yoder when his human father dies of old age ah he'll be fine the weird thing to me is that yeah baby yoder's 50 but old yoder was what like 800 or so uh he trained a jedi for 800 years uh, which he says an empire so i believe he's older than that okay i thought he was like 800 and i was thinking the the years here don't really add up considering he seems to be like one year old at most yes. by human ages uh, you know i mean it's an alien species and i suppose they could establish that like baby yodas uh go through infancy for like 50 years and then they rapidly age in the next 10 years and then they age slowly again like i, I don't know sure sure why not yeah um but i do i really liked the bit with adam pally and jason sudeikis as the scout troopers uh oh yeah also really serve the point of establishing as canon what many of us suspected which is that the empire's guns just suck and are yeah. made very badly and i really like that yes uh the, the two things for me about that first of all i love how many times they punched baby yoda yes that was funny <laughs> they fucking wail on him <laughs> just conk him right on the noggin <laughs> And and yeah, like that's actually a little bit of like uh, adding to the lore that I like uh, this idea that the empire is is so vast and they needed to uh, conscript so many people that they didn't really have the money to make their weaponry uh, very well. So it, it's just these guns fucking suck. Also, I it's mean, it, it's quantity just the, over quality. They're kind of what's left. They're just sort of here on the outskirts with most yeah. of the empire destroyed. I don't know why they didn't hop over to the first order. But you know, yeah, and that's so. That's actually uh, also kind of goes back to some of the World War II stuff. Uh, with it is that a lot of weaponry uh, during World War II was more about quantity over quality, since that war is very much like a numbers game. So oh, like sure. tanks were not necessarily built to last. Neither were the planes uh, that fighter pilots were piloting. So I think that that slots in pretty good. I I also do enjoy the bit with Werner Herzog where he's talking to him and saying like yeah like is look around great you guys won the empire's quote gone what did it get you like are things yeah. more peaceful no yeah 
Uh, and obviously, like, Empire bad, but also he's got a point. Yeah. Because the New Republic I mean, ain't doing jack. I mean, that's actually, so that's something that, uh, without getting, like, veering off too deeply into the new, into the sequel movies, uh, something that they've kind of established in books that I've read up on, but that they really, really kind of needed to explain in those movies to give some sort of reason for why they can even exist. Uh, is that like the Republic very shortly after the war was just like, well, weapons and everything are pretty bad, so we should just like disarm and not really have much of an army. And then like a bunch of Empire loyalists also sort of wormed their way into Congress, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's I like remember. Leia made the resistance as a response to that because she was like, hey, it's real fucking stupid how you guys won't have an army. And that you're not doing anything about, like, these terrorists just fucking floating around here. Yeah. Good so, job, Leia. Yeah. yeah. Good, great job, Leia. R- rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> um, but but that's that's something that I, I think that they, they don't outright say in uh, The Mandalorian, but kind of implied by uh, Werner Herzog is... Well, they're sort of doing a real shitty job anyway, because like we're just out here doing our thing. We took over the city; nobody cares. Mm-hmm. They took over the city I... on rock and roll. Yeah, uh, that rebel transport in the Bill Barr episode uh, got hijacked pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so also, I really liked how in this last episode, there's the bit where he says. Mandalorian isn't a race It's a creed And then Carl Weathers looks over <laughs> Just like Okay, sure Yeah. If you, if you have to reference it Why not Also, okay, so nobody Here's the thing Here's maybe my main issue With the end of the Mandalorian okay. Nobody's heard of Jedi Yeah This is still something that bothers me About like Ray and them going like no, so oh, here's Jedi the are a myth. No, Luke Skywalker was a myth, and that no, was because my point. even even Han Solo had to be like, "Oh, the Jedi, it's all real. All of it was real the whole time." Yes, and it even bothers me. It even bothers me that Han Solo didn't know Jedi existed when the Jedi Council was in their primal. He was still a child, so like yes, he should know that they existed. That was what I was talking about here. Like, uh, Mando lived through the Clone Wars. Like those were separatist yeah. droids and everything, uh, which, by the way, also I do appreciate super bro- super battle droids showing up because those look rad. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, so he should know. Like, uh, yeah, you know, Jedi, the guys on the council, like the yeah. main politicians of the galaxy, the 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 generals of the giant fucking war that I was clearly a victim of. Yes, the the ones that they like they waved around the glowy sticks. They wore the yes. robes for some reason. Like I said, because George I Lucas didn't one... understand why Obi Wan was wearing robes in the original trilogy. Uh, make them look all like Obi Wan. We'll save we'll save money on the costumes. But but George way. George weren't they? Wasn't Obi Wan just wearing like tan robes because he have, was hiding I have a as a hermit? Coffee to drink. Figure he, it out. He was hiding on Tatooine. That's that's why he was. I dressed circled like... all of the post-it notes you'll need. <laughs> okay, we'll get to work on it. 
Um, yeah, like I can kind of get like the Empire sort of wanting to scrub any knowledge of the Jedi out uh, as part of, you know, stomping out any potential resistance. But like that's there's plenty of it's it's not like they were around for like 30 ish years or something like that. I actually think even less than that because she was on Alderaan also. Yes. So like there are plenty of people around who served in that war, probably alongside Jedi who could tell people about Jedi. Sure. Ask your pal about Kiadi Mundi. He'll tell you all about him. Yeah. You ever hear this dude named Kit Fisto? He used to be in history books until the Empire came along. They were burning all of the books about Plo Koon. <laughs> Yariel uh, Poof. The stuff of legends. So, it, it still bothers me, though, by the time of uh, the sequel trilogy, uh, for one very specific reason, uh, and I don't want to get too deep into... Rise of Skywalker. This isn't necessarily a spoiler because they establish it like in the opening crawl. Uh, but people fucking know what the Sith are in Rise of Sky. Like everyone fucking knows what a Sith is. They're all talking about the Sith. It's like, oh, the Sith language? Yeah, sure. Uh, they program droids not to be able to speak it because it's fucked up. Turn <laughs> you into a demon if you hear it. <laughs> Planet Exegol, everyone knows about it. Big Sith planet. There are Sith artifacts all over the place. So are like, they, so that's where it gets weird into... to me where it's like, you know what a Sith is? You don't fucking know what a Jedi is? So are they getting into the stuff of like Sith as a race? Yes. Uh, Sith as a race is like a, a big, big, big thing in uh, Rise of Skywalker. I don't I'm think they ever like huge. directly say that they're a race, but there is like oh, the Sith home world is what Palpatine is uh, chilling out on, and mm. there's a Sith language that robots can't speak, so we need to, like, hack into this robot to figure out what's on the Sith artifact that you dug up. Okay, well, um, that stuff, I don't know. I guess, like, whatever. That's There's been stuff like that in Knights of the Old Republic, but the actual stuff about Sith being a race of, like, demon people, I'm not a fan of. Yeah, there's a maybe. Maybe someday soon we'll be able to record a spoiler cast on that movie because I feel you and I would have a lot to talk about. I'm probably gonna see it in a couple days. Okay, I I think that I I know like a, enough about like Star Wars lore that a lot of this new stuff isn't necessarily lost on me. But I feel like you understand that much more than I do. So it'll be interesting for me to see if you pick up on stuff that I might have missed. Yes, you never played uh, the Knights of the Old Republic games. You refused to because correct. you thought they related to the prequels. Uh, I, so actually, like, I kind of just don't like the look of, like, Star Wars stuff at that point in time either. So here, okay, here's my thing. I like Star Wars, but I wouldn't describe myself as a huge Star Wars fan. Like, I'm not getting too deep into the books and everything like that. Most of the lore stuff I've picked up on has been, like, completely incidental. It's not that I've gone out and looked for it. I've just seen people talk about it. Um, I am, however, a big, big fan of Star Wars aesthetically. And the stuff that I like aesthetically is mostly contained within the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And I really fucking hate the look of the prequels and some of the stuff I've seen that takes place before. So it's well, been a barrier for me to kind of get into that stuff because I just really don't like the way it looks. My thing is I am a fan of Star Wars. 
I do not care about the movies for the most part. I have seen most of them twice, I think. Uh, Probably the one I've seen the most is The Phantom Menace, actually, but that's because that came out when I was a kid, and so, of course. It's so fucking boring. I I rewatched all of them leading up to Rise of Skywalker just to. Because I knew it's a J.J. Abrams movie, so he's just going to call out every single little thing that he can. So I wanted to, I wanted to do my homework and prepare. Uh, and I got about maybe a third into Phantom Menace and realized I was not paying attention at all. Phantom Menace still the best of the prequels. Yeah, actually, <laughs> like even though I find it boring as hell, it's probably the the best of them. Yes, my, I think that Attack defensible... of the Clones is that much more boring. Oh, honestly. it's uh, that's the worst one. Yeah. Um, my defense of Phantom Menace will always be that it at least has the really good fight with Obi Wan and Qui Gon and Darth Maul, yeah. and the pod race, and both of them are good segments. Mostly, yeah. of course, pod race mostly unrelated, but you get Greg Proops yelling. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, also. Episode 1 Podracer, probably one of the best Star Wars games. Sure. So it's not like Phantom Menace had zero good things come from it, unlike Attack of the Clones, which... Uh, there was that Xbox Clone Wars game that was alright, but it was no Episode 1 Racer. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything from Revenge of the Sith in particular that I like that spun off from that. Actually, uh, I really like Count Dooku. I... That's maybe more to do with the fact that I also just really like Christopher Lee. Yeah, exactly. That's what uh, I was going to say. Like like his, that's his that's 100%. saber, I think. Looks neat. I like <laughs> his that. candy cane saber. Yeah, his little candy cane saber. Yeah. Uh, I also like that they just filmed the stunt person doing his lightsaber fight and very poorly superimposed Christopher Lee's head over the body. Yeah, I like when he turns into looked, a flubber. It looked bad then, it looks bad now. I love it. Yeah. Uh yeah, those special effects in Phantom Menace also definitely don't hold up at all. Uh, although, to its credit, it was like the first movie to that hard onto uh, CG. So It does also, I feel like it kind of, the super clean look of everything kind of hides some of the limitations of CGI and stuff back then. Uh, where, yeah, uh, whereas stuff in the later movies does not. Look, all I'm saying is uh, that movie came out in, what, 1999, uh, and the Sean William Scott uh, uh, evolution movie that was like 2001, and that had better CGI in it. Sure. I, uh, David Duchovny. I was blanking on his name for a moment. Oh. Sean William Scott and David Duchovny. I didn't know you were trying to think of a different name. At yeah. first I thought you yeah, were I going to say uh, Sean William Scott, The Rock, The Rundown. But I didn't know what that had to do with anything. No, no, no. I actually saw a bit of evolution on TV uh, just the other day, and I thought to myself, like, oh, the CGI in this looks like it's from the early 2000s, but I wonder, like, specifically what year, because it looks better than The Phantom Menace. Turns out it was 2001. <laughs> so was, it actually wasn't that far after. I was thinking about evolution recently because of the news about... You all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I was thinking about uh, the news of Orlando Jones being fired from American Gods. And I thought, man, remember when Orlando Jones was in Evolution and also 7-Up commercials? It was another time, another era. Remember DNL? That was 7-Up upside down. 
Yeah. Remember Majora's Mask? What? Yeah, that's a game that also came out roughly 1990. I don't remember exactly. Here we what go, year that George's is. Retro Corner. New yeah. segment. Look up the date that that came out, because I want to no. say it was 1990. I think it's 2000. Oh, actually, yeah, I think it is 2000. I'm pretty sure it is. That was very, very like, late. late era. It was released in 2000. Nice. All right. For once, I'm wrong with uh, pulling a video game release date out of my ass. October 26, 2000, in fact. So hmm. Hmm. just a month before the PS2 was out. Uh, that explains it, because that is very much for me. Uh, that that game is closely tied to Thanksgiving for me, because I remember renting that and uh, Kirby 64 around that time. Now that's a good game. Uh, Both of yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, well, so Majora's Mask, uh, I think it might still be my favorite 3D Zelda, but I think that I like it less than I remembered I did. Uh, some of that might just be like the passage of time uh, and some of it might be that it was never really that good of a game, uh, but I was willing to put, put up with some bullshit. I feel like instead of playing the original N64 version, you should have played the 3DS one. That game has uh, its own set of problems. Why? That kind of, like the timing and movement being very weird in it. Oh, uh, for example, with Deku... For the Deku scrub specifically, there are portions of that game where you're supposed to skip between lily pads that yeah. he cannot fucking do anymore because they screwed up the speed and the timing huh. uh, associated with the Deku scrub's movement. But like in general, they they fucked with that stuff and it actually makes some areas of the game harder, if not like impossible. Okay. Like there are a few also... of those lily pad bits that you can't actually do in the 3DS version, but they're you can do them easily in the N64. Okay, but also you can skip ahead to any hour. Yeah, that would have been real nice for one particular mission uh, in this game. Or, well, side quest, rather. Uh, so I actually, I, 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 I think that the whole three-day passage of time, time travel thing is super interesting and it's super ambitious. And it is a lot to take in when you first sit down and start playing that game. Uh, which is a big reason I think that people did not like Majora's Mask at the time. Of Kid me could not get very far in it, and even adult me sitting down and, and diving into that realizes why. Um, but yeah, there, there are some like side missions you have to do that are tied into like specific events at specific times during the day. And there's one towards the end that is a full three-day thing that will take you up to the last hour and a half before the moon drops. Yeah. Uh, and that has, you need to free up about 45 minutes to an hour of real actual time in your life just to do that side quest, because a lot of it is just spent waiting around. You're talking about the uh, sword one, right? I'm talking about the one where uh, this, this guy is getting married and they've made wedding masks. Oh. Uh, but the skull kid turned him into an actual child. Yeah. And so you got to get the mask back. And that gets you the, like, the Pikachu mask, uh, a piece of heart, and... Um, there's like another mask that uh, represents their wedding masks combined. And then you use that in another mission to get another piece and to finish the bomber's notebook. Um, but there's a, there's a point in that 
uh, where it forks off. And if you want all the items for the uh, side quest, you have to do it twice in its entirety. So instead of 45 minutes to an hour just to get this shit done once, you now get to free up about two hours of your life just to get everything associated with that side quest. And for me, who had committed to beating the game 100%, I kind of like my hands were tied and I needed to do it. Because by the time the guide I was following introduced this mission, it was like, this is the last thing you have to do before the final dungeon. <laughs> so it wasn't even me, like, being able to see this and go, I don't want to do this, and then bailing on the concept. It was, I'm fucking here, so I might as well. That's that's how I live my life. I'm here, I might as well. Yes, there's a lot of that game that leaves me feeling that. Um, the, the, the core... The core progression of Majora's Mask, I like it a whole lot. The actual just go get the story missions done, get the dungeons finished. That stuff is very good. Uh, it is the side quests that are absolutely killing me. They are all terrible. I don't think I've played a single one of those that I enjoyed. The, the sword one you mentioned where you gotta do like the Goron race? Yep. Fuck that. Yep. It's real bad. Yes. Uh rife with uh like mario kart rubber banding uh but on top of that like if you bump into anything when you're in the goron roll you just bounce off of it like a bouncy ball and you lose all your momentum and they are like hell-bent on bumping into you and driving you into walls and shit so that took me like also probably an hour of real time just redoing that mission uh well sure i guess i'm not really sure i was not aware of any problems with the 3ds one but I played that and got all the masks and the fierce deity mask and did not really have many major problems. Apart from, yeah, stuff like Goron Race was not great, but whatever. You can I only not fix want so to much play of that the original before it stops being what it is. Mm. <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying that facetiously, but okay. it's also not surprising to me that the Goron Race would still be fucked up. Uh, but yeah, like there's a to get another piece of heart, you got to do like a shooting gallery thing, and uh, it should come as no shock that doing any kind of precise manual aiming with the M64 analog stick fucking sucks shit. But the sticks are so good; it's unparalleled no. control. No, it's not. The PlayStation One, they put analog sticks on that, and they had the foresight to put two of those fuckers on there. They work way better than the M64. Yeah. God, uh, yeah, that's another one that just took me forever. And you have to do that twice. There's two different shooting galleries in this one, and you need to get a perfect score on both of them in order to get two different pieces of heart. Uh, one is arrows like not... and one's bombs, isn't it? One you have to toss no, bombs are... at the thing? No, so that is a different a different thing. There are two of them that are arrow-based, and then there are... There's one that's bomb chews that you have to like have go up to a target and you're on a rotating platform. And then there's another one on the rotating platform where you're throwing bombs into baskets. Yeah, that's what I remember. Those those I actually got done and got the piece of heart like on the first try. That was way easier. Hmm. I remember like, you just... like throwing bombs in general in Zelda games is something that I yeah. hate doing. That was easier specifically because you can park your ass in one spot as long as you pick the right distance from the hoop, and then it just becomes about the timing of the platform rotating. So you just need to know, like, how far ahead to hit the button 
for it to actually go into the basket. We go bomb hoop. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Lynx can't jump. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, li- look at literally, them. they don't want you. <laughs> um. But yeah, like uh, the 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 actual just running through getting the masks that you actually need to finish the game just playing the dungeons that stuff's all really good i i really like the mask swapping mechanic for solving dungeon puzzles i really like having to fuck with the flow of time to just get that stuff done like i think that folds into puzzles in a very interesting and fun way it challenges you more than ocarina of time challenged you uh i also feel that as far as just doing like a gaiden version of that game just like doing a quick flip on those assets that they came up with something very ambitious and very interesting. Um, really a shame about trying to go get that game 100% complete because a lot of the side stuff is just terrible. Uh, but what I mean to say is it's really good because it's dark. It's so dark and it's so moody, Larry. The moon. The moon's really creepy, bro. Yeah, it's a cool moon. I have a real fucking problem with the way people talk about Majora's Mask. Uh, okay. And I want to get into it for a second. The only thing people ever bring up when they talk about Majora's Mask is the atmosphere and how dark and how moody it is, and no one has jack shit to say about how that game plays. It's because it mostly just plays like Ocarina of Time. No, like the the whole like day transition mechanic is vastly different from anything that you deal with in Ocarina of Time. Oh yeah, that stuff. But other than that, it's like you you hop around, you throw bombs, shoot arrows, basically. Yeah, the but same. nobody nobody even talks about that. The only thing that people are caught up on with that game is the atmosphere of that game, and because they are that's always like the caught whole up thing. on how dark it is. I can tell you because I've just got done playing the game. Not that dark compared to other Legend of Zelda games. Okay, but like the whole thing of like here's the moon, it's getting bigger, it's gonna kill everything. I mean, that dawn is good. of the second day. Look up in the saying... sky. Here's Mr. Moon. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, the world's going to end, and it's very futile. And you know, you can only save so many people in that three day cycle. Some some people are just they're they're going to get fucked no matter what you. It's do. just like pathologic. Yes. But but that's the thing is like the the darkness in that game comes in very short bursts and then you have these very large swaths where it is very much just quirky fun Zelda stuff. Yeah, sure. Head on down to the Lon Lon Ranch. Yeah, but people like to just kind of focus on those bits where it's like, oh, the happy mask salesman. He might actually be the devil. Was Link dead the whole time? The moon's going to kill everyone. And, like, that's not really too different than, like, how dark some of the preceding Zelda games were. Like, even Link's Awakening, I'd argue that's darker. Because, at least in, like, Majora's Mask, you're trying to avoid everyone getting killed. It's also In a Link's dream. Awakening, if Link su- succeeds, then everyone, all these people who are sentient, even though they're dream people, they will die. They will cease to be. Mm. I mean, I would say also ocarina of time when you go in the future and there's the creepy stuff around the church and the re-deads wandering around and stuff that's pretty messed up yeah it is uh the fact that you are only saving that world seven years into the future and that when you're sent back the shit's still going to get fucked like that's kind of a bleak ending (laughs) it's just like avengers endgame you know you can't undo it you have to just bring people back like honestly, yeah. Like it, 
you can't undo the stuff that Ganon did in Ocarina of Time. You could just stop it at some point in the future. But, like, young Link is still going to have to just, like, live with this knowledge of all this bad shit's going to happen and I'm going to live through it, but then another me is going to show up and take care of it. Young Link. Album coming soon. Huh? Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I see a lot of... Any time the game is brought up, it is specifically about what the tone and the atmosphere of it is, which I do think is very good and is one of the things that has stuck with me about that game, but it bothers me that no one has anything else to say about it there is a specifically a video that i watched recently which i think was my breaking point with this uh i knew this was gonna be the reason like i knew it was because you just keep watching weird youtube videos (laughs) of people talking about games there is specifically though a bit that just kind of crushed me uh that i want to bring up because it's so fucking bizarre that anyone reached this point with it uh which was, uh, speaking of Lomon Ranch, the Romani Ranch in uh, Majora's Mask, uh, somebody by the name of Nexpo or Expo or something like that on YouTube uh, did this retrospective, not very long, but about halfway through the video, they talk about the UFO hunting mission. Um, yeah. Which, if you if you fail, uh, Romani after that is very despondent, and she seems confused and kind of just very out of it. And so this fucking YouTuber is just like, what happened to her? Was she abducted? Was she probed? Was she raped? Uh, what no. the fuck? Like, why do you just really want this game to be much darker? You're projecting onto it that a underage girl was raped in a Nintendo game. Fucking what the fuck, you guys? You don't, you don't freaks that won't... Why do you keep watching these things? I didn't. I, I stopped after that and... Was just like I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't. I just watch. Can't videos. watch anyone talk about Majora's Mask ever again. I watch videos of pleasant British people talking about the best merchants in video games. Here's a list. Here we go. Uh, Stuff like that. No, I when I'm playing these old games, something that I like to do is just kind of go watch some videos about other people's thoughts on the games. And I don't, because I don't give a crap what anybody has to say about any <laughs> video game except for me. You know Clean how many people here. said Devil May Cry 5 was the best game of the year? Two, and they're on this podcast. And they Here's were right. what they followed it, though, because like, like, I couldn't immediately get up to the video and shut it off. So I heard like a few a sentence after that, and it was... The thing that's brilliant about this game is how ambiguous it is. Like, no, it's not. No, man. No, nothing about Majora's Mask is ambiguous. Yeah, it explains fucking everything to you. It leaves nothing to your imagination. It it, it wears exactly what it is on its shoulder. Uh, One thing I've seen brought up multiple times by people who discuss Majora's Mask is... uh, so you know how in the in the story of the game the the, the transformative masks they contain uh, the spirit of the deceased and you basically embody them. Yes. Uh, so the Deku scrub is the only one who you don't really get much of a backstory for up front, uh, but you do see a petrified uh, Deku scrub shortly after you get the mask. You talk to the Deku butler, butler uh, later on, and he's just like, "I had a son once, and he he went on an adventure, and I've never seen him again. I hope he's okay." And so. In this video as well, uh, it had mentioned like, oh, people believe that the Deku mask is actually the Deku butler's son. Yeah, people fucking believe it because it's actually the case. Like in the credits, he's crying by the petrified Deku scrub. It's not hard to figure out. The game fucking tells you. You cracked the code. 
Yeah, this is like saying it's widely believed Darth Vader is Luke's far father. Of course he is. It tells you this. <laughs> you fucking assholes who talk about Majora's Mask. You all fucking suck. I feel like every one that, of you do that for a lot of games in general. Like I, yeah. I don't know why, but I hate it. There's a it. whole live human who has made a entire YouTube channel around that. And he is the worst. Oh, is this that guy you hated from the Google Stadia thing? Yes, the the Mad Pack guy with the punchable voice oh, who does okay. nothing but this fucking shit. There's also that that uh, the twink Walt Disney guy <laughs> from Polygon, whose name I can never remember. I oh, think no, that's I kind think of his thing too. Sure it's really more of a twonk than a twink. Please get the vernacular correct. What's a twonk? I'll tell you after the podcast. No, tell me now. We're going to get delisted from iTunes if I explain it to you. I need to know what a twonk is. Yeah. It's a twink that makes very bad YouTube videos about video games. He's the only one. Uh, uh, Okay, (laughs) sure. I agree then. That makes sense. Oh, God. Yeah, I I mean, at least like... Investigating twonks. Yes, of course. Yes, twonks. Yes, that's right. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, one more thing uh, about Majora's Mask. Now, now you were you were talking to me about uh, about why a twonk is. Now, could you elaborate on that a bit further? Okay, no, enough of this bit. Uh, yes. Are you done uh, with Majora's Mask? No, I still got to beat the final. Duh! Oh, I meant done talking about. <laughs> no, I you know. got me. Um, <laughs> I did. I got you. Told you. Oh. Yeah, like. Uh, Look, I think I've talked about more of the mechanics of that game uh, than literally any other human being on the internet. So uh, my mission is accomplished. I feel very satisfied and proud of what we did here today. Uh, I give the game a solid three out of five. What? It's just okay. Mm, I'd go higher. I'd go four. I'm just saying. I'm not, yeah, it's probably like a four. Because, uh, you know, it's so dark. Uh, it's no Wind Waker. Very moody. No. The darkest of all the Zeldas. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so dark I mean, that just, uh, people cried when they such... saw it. Yeah. It's such an ambiguous game. Yeah, who knows what's going on with that. Uh, yeah, who I'm could really to... say? Here's a fan theory about what the deal with the Red King is. Red Lion? What's his name? <gasps> well, what is it? Lay it on me. The, the, the boat. It's, it's the king. Is this... His soul's in the boat. I'm unsubscribing. That's stupid. Everything that you just said, that's ridiculous. And that was George's Retro Corner. <laughs> Another great segment. Now, yeah. hi everyone who didn't shut the podcast off after hearing me say Majora's Mask. Hello, you can shut the podcast off now because it's time for Larry's Comics Corner. Uh, subject this week. Bad Weekend by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips released in 2019. Uh, this was released as a graphic novel, even though it was actually issues 2 and 3 of Criminal. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly why they did that, but whatever. What did you think of this book? A grim portent of my future. Absolutely. I saw a lot of myself in Hal Crane. <laughs> I'm very concerned about the fact that I was able to envision myself in a bathroom with a gun, pistol whipping some dude about comic books. 
think somebody would have stolen your art selling it off uh yeah now that's uh yeah i i really really liked it um as as somebody who uh draws comics a lot uh i i like anything that gets very um i guess metatextual about the comic book industry in that way but it also does not feel like it's necessarily uh here's a big commentary on what's wrong with this industry it's just using a lot of very like insider knowledge that the the authors uh have of it to craft a very good story right it's not um well as someone who used to draw comics uh and then became incredibly bitter and resentful over it uh i also see a lot to enjoy in this book so yeah. the plot specifically uh this is tie into criminal uh it features the character i forget his name already i just reread these issues uh but the guy from bad night uh who is not not one of my favorite criminal characters uh, ricky lawless does show up later so there's that uh but he is brought in uh hal crane an old-timey i guess comic strip artist uh and then yeah. later worked in tv and things like that um he specifically requests this guy to come with him to a convention and then it turns out that's because he's got some dirt to get up to and yeah. it follows the two of them as Hal Crane suspects somebody has stolen his art and he wants to find out where it went and get it back and yeah. a lot of guns get thrown around and some robberies happen nobody actually gets killed which is weird in a criminal book oh, yeah. A lot of daytime drinking, though. So oh, yeah. a good time. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of it is kind of uh, about the backstory of Hal and his own personal issues that he's working through in his own way of uh, at, like offering ladies on a convention floor $100 to go to his hotel room. <laughs> Which, first of all, you could go a bit higher than that if you're going to do sure. it. Second... Well, Larry, it's 1990s money. Well, true. Something That's you gotta a, keep in mind. That is kind of a weird thing. Is it supposed to be like 97, 98, and yet there are a bunch of cosplayers at the convention, which I don't think was really that big in 98. Uh, uh, it, definitely not as big as it is now, but it's not something that would have been unusual to see. Um, uh... But for me, more like the fact that it takes place in the 90s... Uh, isn't really played with in any significant way other than them talking about, oh, the comic industry ain't looking so hot right now, uh, which honestly could could kind of apply that to modern times too. No, well, this was specifically, I think, about the bankruptcy of Marvel was a big part of okay. it. Okay, that, that makes um, sense. But, but I also, also assume part of this it... tying into a larger series and it probably being more of a flashback thing. Yes, that that's actually why. Like that's sense. because Ricky Lawless is in here and Teague is already dead. Um yeah. which so. they mention. Uh the arc after this, Cruel Summer, is about Teague Lawless, and I have not gotten to the end of it yet, but I got a feeling it's gonna end with Teague shot in the head, as has been mentioned in several other stories. Um Oh, thanks for spoiling it for me. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not even going to read it. Well, he also shows up in the first issue. So this is issues two and three of Criminal, of the new series. Uh, and the first one was about Teague, and then it goes off into this. And then um, yeah, Cruel Summer is all about Ricky. 
uh, and it takes place before this, well, obviously, as I said, um, where Ricky is a teenager. But yeah, I, I like this bit. Like it was just sort of a short, self-contained story. And I can see why they put it out as a graphic novel, um, because you don't have to have any knowledge of the series in general. Uh, they previously did My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, which was another, I believe they called it a graphic novella. It was about the same length. Um, also ties into Criminal, although not explicitly said so on the book. Like on the exterior. On the inside it says like it's a criminal book, but... Um, a legal that one, book. That one I would also recommend. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I want to follow up on this for sure like pick up a uh, cruel cruel summer um yeah i i, I liked too. it uh because that that arcs good eight eight nine issues maybe because i looked at the price of it and was just like oh this is the same size as bad weekend i don't think i want to pay um, this money for it no no because uh, yeah bad weekend is a, a very very thin book uh, very it's also cheap so Oh, you were kind enough to buy that uh, for me for a uh, holiday uh, some people might have heard of called Christmas. What's uh, that? I got it for you for Kwanzaa. Well, I mean, I haven't practiced that holiday in a number of years, so I don't okay, know why. Well, that's not what you told me. Well, it's been a while since we talked about it, so maybe you're misremembering. You were saying, like, hey, are you going to get me anything for Kwanzaa this year? And I was like, well, I hadn't really planned on it. And you're like, wow, shows what a friend you are. And uh, I appreciate the book, uh, nonetheless, much like I appreciate our friendship. I would never be dishonest to you like that. All right, well, that's not what I remember. Uh, anyway, yeah, All it, Gifts Day is coming up, so I hope you got me something for that. I did not. As everyone knows that takes place on January the 12th. Well, okay. Uh, send me a wish list, I guess. Make okay. something from it. I'll send you my IST list. Uh, yeah, I I don't know how how much. I was going to ask how much it cost, but <laughs> since you bought it for me as a gift, that seems like a very rude it's thing like to ask. It's like it was like ten bucks. Okay. Uh, th yeah, that's a good price for. I it, got you plenty uh, of stuff. Blank, but also, it's fine. That that was like the cheapest I think of anything I got you. <laughs> yeah. But hey, it's hardcover too, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, you also picked me up a uh, Luthor and Batman Damned, and uh, I'm about halfway through Luthor right now, and that's also a very good book. So. Hey, then maybe they'll be the subject of a future comics corner. Uh, possibly, yeah. I uh, I read in between doing actual work stuff at work, and unfortunately, uh, won't get into what I do. But ho holiday week has made it kind of busy, so uh, slow goings on Luthor. Great. Yeah. I look. I'll probably have that done by next week if you want to talk about it. So okay, I will read mine. I've got it also. I got the absolute because I am Ooh. dedicated to Brian <laughs> Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. Uh, uh, Anything else on the docket? What? Okay, no, ra ratings, um, I... ratings. Why you give Bad Weekend out of five? Oh, um, hmm. Well, five. Uh, uh, I actually think I would give it a five. I, I liked it a whole lot, actually. Okay. I thought it had some really interesting things to say about the comics industry, especially circa 1990. That the characters were very fascinating to me. 
Um, despite the fact that I cannot seem to retain any of their names, I'm struggling a lot on this. <laughs> Yeah, main I, the main old guy. What was his name again? Please Al tell Crane. me. Crane is awesome. I just like how he drunkenly mumbles his way through this entire story. Pistol whipping dudes, hiring criminals, breaking into homes. Yep. Uh, I, I I think that they make good on why he is the way he is. That the the place that that eventually goes is very emotional and very good. Yes, um, you, you can kind of see where, like also where it's going at the very end, but it's yeah. still a good end for it. I it, it, it wraps in a very solid way. I'd give it a four and a half. Uh, it's not one of my favorite criminal stories. Um, that would probably be oh, uh, Last of the Innocent is the best one as far as I'm concerned. But this one's good. It's up there. Um. Basically, any criminal story is better than ninety nine percent of comics out there. So, but yeah, 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 I I give it a recommend. Thumbs up, four and a half. Yeah, it's good if you need like a a book to keep in your bathroom. Very short. Sure. Great don't, don't agree with that. That is such a fucking low key insult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, there's something to be said for light reading. <laughs> Sure. I just yeah, I mean, I make do yes. with Nintendo Force magazines. It is a well, those definitely belong in the bathroom, directly right. next to the toilet, in That's a basket right. on the ground. I rip um, out uh, the <laughs> comic pages from the guy who I'm pretty sure his eyes don't work. I rip out those pages <laughs> and use them as toilet paper. It's the only explanation I, say, I can think of. Out, like, subscription slips are always good for that too. Um. Oh, this is direct from Patreon. Okay. They don't have subscription slips in there. Uh, put it in there for the, the sake of nostalgia, even though it don't do anything. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think that uh, the, the length that it's added is very trim uh, for a hardcover collected comic book. Just a single story in there, but that story is actually, like, it is the perfect length. Like, it feels very well paced out. It doesn't leave anything really hanging. It, it it's good. It's good for its length. Don't be deterred by its length. Yeah, I, I like the idea of these, this thing they've been doing with the graphic novellas, they call them. They're doing an original one, um, well, another original one, because Junkies was also original. Uh, it's like uh, Pulp, I think it's called, and it's about like a an old Western actor. Uh, mm. So that one I'm looking forward to. Uh, before we go, actually, want to close on another embarrassing story from my childhood that's actually uh, somewhat related to comics. Uh, okay. So, I this will shock you, uh, having known me uh, for a number of years and uh, having dealt with my intellect. Uh, I didn't do so good in high school. Um, a lot, lot of D's, a lot of F's. So mm. as a punishment one year, uh, my parents decided that every Saturday they would drop me off at the local library and leave me there, and they would not pick me up until about when the library closed uh, with the intention of forcing me to read some books and educate myself. <laughs> uh, but I refused to do this, uh, and despite them, I mostly spent my time there reading uh, collected Garfield comics and Zitz and Dilbert. <laughs> I was about to say you spent all your time reading the Fraggle Rock picture books, and it turns out, not too far. No, no, there was a, a specific point in time where I remember reading the Dilbert comics and thinking, boy, I wish I was this smart. 
I wish I were this kind of funny. <laughs> I like to think that I've worked in an office enough to uh, finally uh, attain that dream. <laughs> Being Dilbert funny. Uh, no, I never once read an actual fucking book at the library and just read a whole lot of Garfield. Uh, and I think eventually my parents caught on to the fact that I was not getting smarter. And so they decided that the gas money wasn't worth it. Great. <laughs> yeah. A good story. I have a lot of... I have a lot of very embarrassing stories, but I think that is the one that perfectly captures who I am as a human being. <laughs> Going to the library to read some Garfield. Well, that's been the first episode of Destroy All Children, the podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Larry Davis. That was George Brundle, the master of Garfield, as they call and him. embarrassing himself. Yeah, that, yes, that's nothing new. We'll see you next week uh, When There might be some news happening I don't know We didn't want to mention the thing about Kevin Spacey Making a weird video after the accuser Like died in mysterious circumstances That seemed a little gauche So I didn't mention that That's the second time he's done it too Did that uh Yeah Christmas it is the... Yeah Almost like he should be in jail or something Maybe and stays just free to roam around. Like, like, oh, we didn't. Uh, what? We also didn't touch on the fact that the uh, creator of the Peanuts Christmas special, Don Imus, uh, died over the holiday. <laughs> yeah, I think you're uh, confusing two different, two different deaths here. Uh, no, I don't believe I am. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Goodbye, dinosaurs. We're gonna keep. We're we're keeping that catchphrase. (laughs) Nobody can sue us for that. It's three o'clock in the morning, and I'm on the streets again. I disobeyed another warning. I should have been in by ten. Now I won't get out till Sunday. I'll have to say I stayed with friends. It's a habit worth forming If it means to justify the end Dancing in the moonlight It's caught me in its spotlight It's alright Dancing in the moonlight On this long hot summer night And I'm warm